You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life, reaching the world for Jesus one person at a time. Hey, we are starting a new series this morning, and we are going to be talking about worship, okay? Now, let me tell you right up front, when we, when we say we're going to be talking about worship, we're going to be talking about um, specifically Sunday morning worship and singing together corporately as a family, like as a body of believers here at the church, like corporately, collectively singing and, bring, and, and worshiping God together. Now, let me tell you up front, we are not saying that this is the only way you can worship God. Everybody shake your head. You follow me. This is not the only way. This is not the only way you can worship God. There are so many ways you can worship God. You can chop wood. You can sing in your car. You can sing in your shower. You can write poetry, paint stuff. Like there's a zillion ways to worship God. Now here's what happens in the church way too often. We're like, man, worship is really important and there's all these different ways you can do it. And and because we don't want to put worship in a box, we never want to say that like Sunday morning and really teach about what is worship on Sunday morning because we don't want to offend the thousand other ways you could worship God. Okay, well, let's just get that out of the way. Yes, there's a bunch of other ways you can worship God and they're amazing and awesome. We're not going to talk about them. What we're going to talk about as a church for the next couple of weeks is the significance and importance of us coming together as a church, as a body, and worshiping God together. That's what we're going to really zero in on. Does that make sense? You guys following me? Thank you. Thank you. All of my self-confidence just went right out the window on that one. So what I'm going to do is we're going to hit on some reasons why we sing together. Why, why do we sing? Why do we offer God songs of praise? Why do we worship God? And there's five things I want to hit on with you guys. And we'll kind of zip through these, and then we'll keep working our way through the, the rest of the sermon. So uh, the first one is this. The first reason is those who don't want to sing to God are at odds with the rest of the universe. They're at odds with the rest of the universe. Check this out. That sounds sort of weird, but watch this. Psalm 19, one through four says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, he has set a tent for the sun. Like all creation cries out to God in worship. All creation cries out to God in worship. It's like, here you have someone that, uh, like me, back in the beginning of me coming to know about God, I was the obstinate, uh, like somehow I had to not worship. I'm not sure why, but it made sense to me at the time. I just thought it was weird. Like I didn't grow up in church, so I thought worship was weird. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to do it. And so like I was putting myself at odds with all of creation that cries out to God and, and points to God in worship. Let's look at the next one. The angels in heaven sing to God. The angels in heaven sing to God. Here's what it says in Isaiah 6, 3. It says, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I mean, imagine the angels in heaven singing holy, holy, holy. 
modeling and showing for us what it's like to actually sing out holy, holy, holy to the Lord. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those deals where you're sitting in the living room and like someone drives by outside with the car that's got enough base for the whole neighborhood, you know, the whole town, like your whole inside your house, you're like, whoa, they spent a lot of money on their stereo, right? And it's like, I kind of imagine like, holy, holy, holy angels singing in heaven. Like, feels like sometimes I wonder if like the church should just shake a little bit and it's like, oh, they're up to it, right? Like they are singing out to God in heaven, and they model for us. So do the saints. The saints in heaven sing to God. We just read about this in Revelation here a while back. He says, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures, the elders, uh, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Like the saints model for us surrounding the throne of God, singing out praises to him with their voice. Like worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy is the lamb. Like can we even imagine to see the church service in heaven where the saints gather together as God's family and are singing out to the Lord on the throne. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Let's look at the next one. God says it's an uh, integral part of the Christian life. There's a couple passages here that are similar. Let's kind of zip through them here together. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing uh, one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then in Ephesians, uh, do not get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Like, this should be a key ingredient for all of us as Christians. Like, this should be a primary part of our walk with Christ is singing, singing songs to God, like encouraging each other with hymns and psalms and songs of worship. It's a part of our everyday life and it's a key ingredient of our relationship with God. It also impacts our relationship with other people. Let's look at this one. It says, when you sing, you build others up. In Ephesians again, it said, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody to the Lord with your heart. And then in Psalms uh, 105, we see, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. Like when we gather together as a family and we worship God together, like corporately singing together at church, we are actually testifying to the people around us of who we say God is, right? They're not just catchy words to a song. They're things that are coming out of our mouth like declarations from us to God about who God is, who we think he is. What people around us hear is what we believe about God, It may kind of change the way you sing the words to the song. You're like, well, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it that much. Like, yeah, you're actually like, you're, you're sending words up to the Lord. Like, we lift each other up and encourage each other as we sing 
songs and praises to the Lord. Now, we could probably come up with a hundred or more reasons of like why we should worship and we could rattle off different scriptures and different characters in history that worshiped God and for every one of them, probably someone could think of a bunch of excuses of maybe why we shouldn't or why we can't or why it's not right or, you know. And it's pretty funny listening to Chris. And if you've ever talked to people that have led worship at churches, they've got some funny stories about worship stuff with people. And Chris has been in the church for a long time and has led worship and been a part of worship teams for lots of years. And so he's the, a good one to talk about this next part of this, like some of the excuses, like why do people not worship or why do they not want to worship? What's going on with that? So he's going to share some stuff with us and Probably a couple funny ones. Yeah, so when Thad and I were talking about this, uh, we actually were in ministry together years ago in Post Falls at The Real Life there. And um, I remember, it was probably four or five years ago, one of the funniest things that we heard as far as a response to, hey, how, what did you think of worship? How was it? Um, how did you respond or, or what was it like? Was uh, this person wrote on a comment card, I just really had a hard time worshiping today because I didn't like the pastor's pants. <laughs> and... Uh, and I was like, and naturally I thought what every pastor thinks was, was his fly down. Like, like just being honest, like that's a, the, the people in front of people like, oh boy, is it? but that wasn't it. He just didn't like the pastor's pants, so he couldn't worship. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's what you got? Um, the, the, honestly, when we're thinking like Thad just said, uh, if, if we're being real honest and, and actually just singing corporate praise, I wanted to ask all of you, how many of you um, just have struggled sometime in your life, or maybe even still right now, with the sound of your own voice? You don't like it. Let, let me see hands. Be honest. Okay. A lot of people in here. Okay. I'm included in that. I'm the worship pastor here at our church. And I struggle and, and wrestle with what my own singing voice sounds like. And in my home is my wife, who's leading worship for the team this morning, and sings beautifully. And I listen to her, and I'm like, mm, wow, she sounds really good. Don't know if I want to sing. And Tom, that's on our, our team, super gifted. They've spent thousands of hours, and they've developed th this gift that they have. But just because they have a gifting and God's given them that ability does not mean that God has not given me something that's unique to me and all his creation. And he wants me to use my voice to worship him. And it's the same for every person in here. He does not want you to live vicariously through the voice of someone that sounds so amazing up here. He wants you to use your voice that he's given you to sing out praise to him. I love what this was saying here even. The, the, it actually is talking about heaven and what that looks like. And it says sing to him. All through scripture it talks about how we're meant to sing. Do you ever see in scripture somewhere that, or repeatedly where it says sing to him in perfect pitch and unless you don't, you are... <laughs> yeah, Thad's grateful for that one. Uh, he didn't say it, and he might allude to it next week, but Thad hasn't spent thousands of hours singing, and, and it's not something where, yeah, amazing, huh? If you were at Ovations, you got to experience that firsthand a little bit. But, uh, but I love the fact that our pastor, our, our leader here, is willing to sing praise to God, and he's not thinking, oh, gosh, what does it sound like? He's thinking, man, this is another way that I can praise God because you are worthy God. And it doesn't matter what it sounds like and that it's perfect. He gives it to God anyway. Some of the other things we've heard over the years, and I'd encourage you as we're rattling through these, just think, man, is this something that I've thought before? I, I've wrestled with several on these lists, and it's not pointing fingers or shaming anybody. Are these things that you have maybe thought before or had a hard time with? So I don't like certain instruments. Or the team, the team member, that one guy on the team, he's a friend of mine. 
He's my friend. So when they do worship, oh, it's so beautiful. But the other teams, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's not as, not as good. I've heard that multiple times. Music style um, that's too noisy. Let me ask you this. What, what Thad said before, what do you think the sound in heaven is of what, just one angel singing praise to our God? Do you think that that's quiet and subdued? Or do you think that that's loud? I'm guessing that's real, real loud. Hey, I'm a drummer, so I always hear the noisy comments. It's not just that. I'm like, man, I'm thinking heaven. Heaven is not going to be this up. It's going to be loud and proud. And he is there, and we're in his presence. Th- this is preparation for that. This is the, the, the practice for heaven. Amen? Amen? These gatherings right here that we have together. So a couple of the other ones that we've heard are, I enjoy watching others worship. Man, they're so talented. Again, like we were talking about before, they're so gifted, or they have a passion for it, or they sound so good. I just get lost in what's happening up there or with someone else instead of us being able to individually worship God. And this is something you'll hear me say a lot that I, lo- uh, that I love to just have us get programmed in our brains when we come in here and when we gather, all these things that we can point fingers at and say, man, th- this is something I didn't like this weekend. The enemy loves it when we're pointing out everything that we don't like about a service instead of sitting in the fact that we're all gathered together, God's people, and that he's going to move in a mighty and powerful way every time we gather. So man, I'd encourage you, when you walk out of here, if somebody asks you, how was worship today? Like, or how is the service? Don't, don't be poking holes in everything. If you have legitimate concerns, we're, we're fine with le- legitimate concerns, right? We deal with that all the time. This, this is something, a statement that I've heard a lot over the years with worship is when I ask people, give me one word that describes worship. And this is what I thought for a long time. What's one word? I hear music a lot. Music is, is what worship is. Music, music, music. Music has kind of been a put up on a pedestal in the Christian church, especially in our country, where it's so much the focus and all the lights and the thing and this, and, and, and unless it's a certain way that I have a hard time worshiping. And in this book that, did you mention the books earlier? I forget, okay. There, there's a couple books here that we'll put up on the screen um, that kind of talk more about the heart of worship. So these go further in depth on the heart and not just singing songs. That's a part of it. Uh, True Worshippers from Bob Coughlin is a newer one that's really good. And he actually says in this book, he says, music is a part of worshiping God, but it was never meant to be the heart of it. So yes, a part and an important part, but it was never meant to be the heart. And I want to switch gears real quick. And I want to just share with you a little bit of my experience and my life story and my backstory specifically with music. When I was 15 years old, I started getting into music, and uh, I never really had liked it a ton, but I, um, my brother actually taught me how to play drums, and I started just getting into it and got into a band named Alice in Chains, and Nirvana and Pearl Jam, and a bunch of the grunge bands that came out of the, the mid-90s from, from Seattle. And um, I started listening to them all day, every day, the bands, and started studying the things that these guys write, and a band named Tool was one of my favorite bands, and the stuff that they talk about and write, it just, like, but I love the music. I was like, music became my life. It became an idol in my life. It's all I did. It's all I thought about. And there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I love. It says, idols will inevitably break the hearts of their worshipers. Isn't that good? Idols will inevitably break the hearts of their worshipers. That's exactly what happened in my life by the grace of God through, uh, well, that he broke the, the idol of music. I started when I was 19 coming to the church and met, met that a few years after that in Post Falls. And it was actually meeting in a theater, real life was at the time, it was about 150 people. 
and I started playing on, on the worship team and trying to get involved, and, and my life was kind of all over the place, and I didn't really understand the full scope of what that looked like, but I had played drums for a lot of years, and I had some skills, so like they had grace with me and helped me kind of along, but I skipped one Sunday morning and worshiping with God's people, and I went to something called OzFest. If you've ever heard of that or have any, Thad said last service, don't Google it. Whatever you do, do not Google that. If you don't know what it is, you don't need to. Yes. Uh, basically, it was a heavy metal music festival uh, headlined by Ozzy Osbourne. And there were all kinds of heavy metal bands that I loved at the time. The band named Godsmack there and, and Korn and all these different bands that at the time, like, that was my world. I was like, man, this music, I love it. And I went, it was a part of that environment, and man, worship happened there. But it was not worship to our God and Savior. It was worship to the enemy. There were 666s and pentagrams, and, and like I said, one of the band's names that I loved was Godsmack. Like, it was not a place that had anything to do with reverent worship of an almighty, holy God. And the next week, I went back to church, and I worshiped with his people in a setting just like this, with about 100 people there. And he distinctly made a mark in my life at that moment where I realized, man, the worship God's gathered people together, lifting up his name and leaning on each other and helping serve each other and love each other. It was totally 100% different than what I experienced the week before. And with those 100 people gathered there, it was 10 times as powerful as the 20,000 people that were a part of that music festival before. Because music, music is great. Music, music's changed my life. But worship in this type of environment with God's holy people, it's radically transformed my life. That's going to unpack for us more of what worship actually is. Yeah, so one of the things we want to do is to help us kind of have a definition of worship. Um, it's kind of one of those terms where a lot of people can assign a lot of different uh, meanings to it. And like Chris said, music inevitably becomes a big part of it. So we want to kind of unpack it a little bit. So let's take a look at this passage here. Um, in Psalm 22, if I remember where I'm at. Psalm 22, it, this is a great passage because of the way we'll translate these words from the original text. It says, uh, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praise of Israel. And that word inhabit originally is yeshav, and it means to sit down or to dwell or to remain or stay. And it's one that when you look at it in the original language, in the original context, it's, an, it's a word that gives you the idea of like, you're kind of tracking along doing something and something catches your attention out of the corner of your eye and you go like this and you sort of forget about what you're doing and focus on the thing that caught your attention. That's, that's sort of like our, our praise inhabits, it, it catches God's attention when we sing and when we worship. And then the word praise is, tr is uh, tala, tala. Mm -hmm. <laughs> tongue twister, tahalahal, tahalala, I can't say it. From the root word, which is halal. It's translated several different ways when the word comes up in the text. Like some of the ways it's translated is um, insane. Sometimes it's translated as boast. Sometimes it's translated as fool. Sometimes it's translated as shine. So like when we talk about praising God, like singing, song, singing songs, praising him, it, it, it gives you this idea that you're sort of, um, like Chris talked about, you're not concerned with the sound of your voice. In fact, you're not concerned what it, what's going on around you at all. Like, that, like sometimes someone, someone could see someone worship and they just see like, man, they just seem like they were glowing. Not like supernatural 
superhero Marvel glowing, but like there was just something about them, right? Like they were, they were worshiping. And then there's times when you could see somebody worshiping and, and you might describe them as like, they looked a little crazy maybe. Like, are you sure? What? I mean, you might think they were a little bit off the rocker. And I guarantee you, if you didn't know David well and you stumbled across him when he was worshiping God, it's probably one of those times where it was described and translated as insane. Worshiping God in the buff, clothing optional. Like he was worshiping God. So we kind of map out what worship is. Let's look at these, these different statements here to help us kind of zero in on it, okay? Telling God the truth of who I think he is. Like worship is us telling God the truth of who we think he is. Like I said earlier, they're not just words to a song because they happen to rhyme. They're, they're like declarations that we declare and proclaim. This is who I think God is. Let's look at the next one. Telling others the truth of who my God is. Again, it's like testifying to the people around you, whether they know God or, or know him the way you know him or not. It's like when they hear the words out of your mouth, it, it, it's like a testimony. I believe these things about God. Let's look at this last one. It's the only thing I can choose to give God that he has not given me first. Everything else I could offer him is something he's already given me to begin with, right? Like we just talked about tithing. We went through this series talking about tithing. And yes, we're called to tithe, but we're giving back what was already his to begin with. We can say, well, I'll give my time and, and my talent and uh, you know, I'll, I'll do things for God. And it's like, yes, that's fine. But you're, it's out of something he's already given you to begin with. Your, your body, your life, the, the breath in your lungs was from him to begin with. And worship is one of the things that we can actually, of our own free will, choose to offer up to God as something that he didn't already give us to begin with. A lot of times it seems in church, we hear um, people talk about church afterwards. Um, and I'm not just saying here, I'm just saying like church at large. I've been to lots of conferences over the years. I've attended different churches and, and Chris and I have talked a lot about this and it, it seems like common stuff that comes up. Like people can say, they'll say things like, you know, I really felt like God was there or, um, you know, God, it seemed, you know, okay. And they, they kind of describe how church was or how worship was. It was dependent on how it made them feel. And so if they laughed, like emotionally roared up or stirred up or, or excited or brokenhearted, that's how they describe, like, you know, God was really there. But if they don't have that, emotional like feeling response. It's like, I don't know, I just, didn't, I just didn't feel God in that church. I don't know if God was there like he always is. Now here's the deal. God's here. He's with us every week. He's, he's with us every day for those of us who are believers, right? It's not, like, it's not like we got God on a schedule where we're like, first and third Sundays, God's over in Pullman, second and fourth, he's in Moscow. 
We'll publish it ahead of time so you can follow them around like God groupies, right? It doesn't work like that. God is here each and every week. And whether or not we personally experience God in worship, whether or not we connect with God as a congregation has very little to do with God being here and very much to do with whether or not you're actually prepared to enter into the presence of God and worship. Now what we're gonna talk about is kind of, maybe for some people is a little bit new, um, and it's totally not a guilt trip thing, it's not a beat anybody up thing, it's a we care about you and we want to teach about stuff that's gonna help us all grow in our relationship with God and grow in our understanding and ability to experience God and worship God together. And so we're gonna talk about preparation, like what does it look like for us as believers to actually prepare ourselves before church so that we're ready to come into the presence of God and worship God when we get here, not kind of just rolling in with all our stuff and figuring it out halfway through. We're like, oh man, that was awesome on the last song. Like what would it look like to be there when you walk in? And Chris is gonna talk about helping us like get prepared. What does that look like? So when we think of being prepared to come in, enter into God's presence, I don't want to start out giving you like a list, like here's the five things or the 10 things to do to be prepared to come and to worship together. There's a deeper thing that, that we need to know and have an understanding of that's, that's of vital importance to what this gathering actually looks like with us all together. And so um, just thinking of what this looks like to even be in God's presence if you actually flip back and turn back the clock a, lot, a long ways, and I'd love to actually unpack this more, but I encourage you to do study it on your own if you can, because we don't have time to get into the depth of this. But in the temples that were built before the time of Christ, in the tabernacle, when the, the Israelites came out of the desert and God established that, and then when he established his temple, his holy place where he would come and dwell, it's a fascinating study to walk into the, all, the, all the time and the work and the energy and what went into this process of actually being able to come and, and to worship an almighty holy God. There were sacrifices and there was incense that would be burned and there were hundreds and sometimes thousands of people that would come to this place. And there were priests and, and they would have to be ceremonial clean and, and, and washed. And, and man, it, it, it's amazing the amount of time and effort and work and energy that went into just being prepared to enter into the presence of God. Because it looked different back then. The presence of God was something where in the, in the Holy of Holies, the, the spot in the temple where only the high priest only once a year could come and actually enter the physical presence of God. His presence was, it was available to everyone back then. So it looked drastically different. But through Jesus and through his sacrifice, and I know you all are familiar with this, hopefully, I mean, it's the reason that we're sitting here. What he did, the price that he paid on the cross, the life that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, that he conquered sin and death, he conquered the grave. From that, the veil, the curtain, the giant curtain that separated the holy place from the holiest of holies was torn in two. And now we have access again to the presence of God. Amen? I love, Paul describes this to the church in, in, in Corinth, actually, in 1 Corinthians in 3.16. It says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? God's spirit dwells in us. Amen? His spirit dwells within me, dwells within you. 
It honestly bugs me. I said it last service that when some people talk about the where two or more are gathered, God is there. No, God's presence is inside me. He lives within me, each individual person. Wherever we go, his physical presence is now in us by the miracle and the grace of what Jesus did when he came and he died on that cross for us. So that's powerful when you think of, okay, what is preparation? What, what does it mean to, to go to church and be fully prepared then? God's already done a huge part of the work for us in that he's given us the spirit in us. His presence is with us all the time. So it's not like, man, I just wish, I wish I could be in your presence so I need to go to that place. No, he's with you and he'll show you by his spirit what it is that he has for you before we even gather here. In Hebrews 12, 28 through 29, it says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Does anyone like that? I love that passage. Our God is a consuming fire, right? So the God and his spirit now that dwells within me is a consuming fire. That means that I'm thinking about him constantly, that by his spirit I live every step of every day. And no, I don't always do it perfectly, just like I know we all don't. But man, I don't want to let one more minute or one more day or one more week, month, whatever go by without living in the, full, the fullness of what God has for us through his spirit. And when we gather here together, it should be an overflowing of that, right? Like we talked about earlier, I, I would love for it to be so loud in here that we could open those front doors when the weather gets nicer and that the terror of you people down there and everybody all around could hear our praise to our God because he is worthy. So I want to ask you this, and it's in your notes if you're following along. How do we come to church? We want to ask you, everyone this question. Again, it's not shaming or like, how do you come to church? How do we come to church, man? Are we ready and expectant? Are we expecting God to move? Are we expecting to see miracles and people be healed from sickness or hurt or, or abuse or whatever it is? We're expecting God to do amazing things every time we come to church, or are we distracted and focused on ourselves? Man, I just, like, this morning, the Super Bowl is going on later. I got news for you. What we're doing right here is a thousand times more important than any Super Bowl ever will be. And I hope there's no Patriots fans in here. No, uh, <laughs> it's way more important. There's 100 million people that are going to watch that thing. But all of creation is singing the praise to our God right now. And during that whole football game where 100 million people are watching that, all of creation is watching the only one that really matters. He's the only thing good that's really going on. Before, during, and after that or anything else. Are we ready and expectant? Or are we so focused and distracted? God's part, we've just unpacked for you. We want to walk through. So, so his part, he's already done so much of it. His presence, he's gifted us his presence. And he will continue to pour out on us good things and what he has for us and teach us and shape us and through the spirit, comfort us and help us. So many different things that he does. So what's your part when you come and when you gather here? And we've just offered that, that, that we would love for your part to, when it comes to preparation, to really be living in the fullness of what the Spirit has for you and be more intentional maybe in what it looks like before we gather in this time. So maybe you take more time on Sunday morning before you come. And this isn't me like the music guy. If everybody like 
like praise a little more before we come, then the music will be better. I, I, like, I love music. I care about the hearts of our people in here and what the Spirit's doing and what he's speaking. If we are on our knees like this, if you get on your knees for a half hour, an hour maybe, maybe it's Saturday night, maybe it's on Sunday morning, maybe it's with your whole family gathered and say, God, your presence is here within me. So when I go to gather with your people and lift up your praises, show me what you have. Open the floodgates. Bring your good news and your spirit into, into my life. And man, we'll walk out of there with, with glows like Thad was talking about. Like they are supernatural glows, not, not the Marvel type like he said. But man, his presence and his supernatural power within us, I want to see that. Do you guys want to see that? I want to be a part of that every single week. I challenge you with this. If you've ever thought this, how was Sunday morning? It was all right. It was, eh, it was, eh, all right. I, I didn't really pay that much attention to the sermon or I don't really go in during the, the worship because I just like the sermon. Or, there is no such thing as a normal Sunday. You guys with that? There's, there's no such thing as a normal time where hundreds of us gather together to lift up an almighty and powerful Lord and worship, and worship him. Amen. Not one of them is normal. And I said last service, it, think about it if, if you, you get stuck in that trap of, man, it just felt like another Sunday, you know, and there wasn't a lot to it. Think of it from God's perspective. Do you think what God does here, does he ever think that what, what we're doing is normal when we come and gather? What do you think? I don't think he ever thinks it's normal. He's ready in his part. Our part, how we want to help you, is we want to help equip you. It's a big part of the mission kind of for our worship team to inspire and equip and, and release us to live the life that God has for us in worship. We're going to start, um, we have a countdown timer. I don't know if you guys know, i just give you an idea of how much time is before service. We're going to put a speaker in the lobby and we would love for you to come 15 or 20 minutes early and get your coffee and hang out and have fellowship. We, we don't want you to not do that. It's a super high value to us. We want you to be connected and be in relationship. But man, come early so we can do that. And when you start to hear that and, and with let's make a transition to all being in here together. So there's not one person missing from this time where we get to celebrate God together. Amen. Spend that time before you even come half an hour, hour, maybe it's 10 minutes, maybe it's five minutes. Maybe you're not able to do it that day, but just think about, man, what does it be like? How different could it be if I wasn't running around and trying to get, get cereal and shove it in the kids' faces and blow them in the van? I got two young daughters. I know how that goes. My wife does that every weekend. Oh, girl, oh, you know, it's, it's crazy trying to get two little kids ready. If you don't have kids, then you should be able to do it. If you do, <laughs> if you do have kids, don't make it the excuse. Sit down with your kids before you ever get to that moment and teach them. We are going to actually worship God with his believers and be in his presence. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about how amazing this is going to be this morning so they don't get distracted by their cereal bowl and enter into the same cycle. Yeah, and in the same way, like each and every week, we... We, like Chris talked about, we come in and we worship and we don't want it to be mundane or normal or like just the thing we do. Like we want each and every week to, to think about what would it look like to be prepared to enter into the presence of God with our brothers and sisters, right? And each and every week we take communion and, and likewise, we don't ever want that to become something that's mundane or just that thing we do every week. Like it's an opportunity for us to remember every week kind of our position in the scheme of things, you know, that to be humbled and to be rightly remembering God's grace for us through what he did with Christ on the cross. And then 
and, and to be in that time of reflection and honoring God and thanking him and as we take communion every week. So it, as we worship every week and as we take communion every week, a lot of it has to do with whether or not you come prepared and kind of your part, where you're at, what's your frame of mind, are you, are you entering into this expectant and eager and looking forward to being with God's people and worshiping God and having an opportunity to, to remember what he did for us on the cross every week or are you coming in kind of distracted and frustrated or thinking of other things? And so that's kind of one of the things we want you to chew on for the week to come. So that's going to lead us to the time of communion. So every week we do take communion together. We're going to do the buckets first. So they'll zip the buckets. They'll pass them right down the middle and just hand them to the outside and drop your cards in those buckets when they go by. If you want to drop your offering in there, that's fine. If you want to do it in the back, that's fine. Whatever works for you. Um, and then right after that, they'll pass the communion trays with communion. And if you're new at Real Life, we have what we call an open table when it comes to communion. And what that means is that uh, you don't have to be like a member here. There's no special criteria to take communion with us. Anybody that wants to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we would love for you to take communion with us as a family. So when the trays are passed, if you would just hold on to the elements and we'll take communion together in a few minutes when we wrap up. While they're doing that, there's some points in your notes and they're gonna be up on the screen too, um, where we take a few minutes and kind of wrap up things for the message for the day, give us some little nuggets to chew on for the week. So let's take a look at those. The first one is this. Worship is a decision that tells God and the world where I stand when things are good and when things are hard, right? No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in your marriage, no matter what's going on with your classes, with your kids, with your job, with your car, yada, 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 whatever's happening in your world, when you stand and you worship God, it shows each and every person around you like, no matter what's going on in my life, this is where I'm at right now. This is what I believe it to be true about God. And we stand and we sing those words out to him. Next one, when I don't experience God in worship, it's more about my preparation than God's presence, right? We talked about this, he's here, he's ready. He's eagerly anticipating our worship. Whether or not we feel like we got something out of it has nothing to do with whether or not God's here. Last one. If I want God to stop and notice my situation, worship is the space I create for him to do that. Now, it kind of ties back into that passage we talked about, like God inhabiting our praise. Like if we want God, if we want to kind of catch his attention, man, gather together as a family of believers and let's worship God out to, together. Let's sing praises out to God together and have a God in heaven, a Father in heaven that loves us and looks down on us with a smile on his face. Not like, oh, somehow we're going to get God's attention. Like, hey, he didn't notice we were here before. But like, more like, a room full of people that God looks down on and goes, man, I see a lot of people out there that love me. And as I look down on those people, he just has a smile on his face, you know, like, they, they, like God's just like a proud dad. 
when you catch your kids doing something that's honoring to you, even when you weren't looking. It's kind of what it's like. Every week we get together and we take communion together and we just get to be reminded of what Christ did for us on the cross. We remember that on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it and he said, as often as we get together, let's eat this in remembrance of him. In the same way, he took the cup and he said that this is the cup of the new covenant that represents his blood shed for us and so each time we get together, let's drink this in remembrance of him. Let me pray. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you that he conquered death and sin, Lord. And thank you for your Holy Spirit that you gave us a helper, an encourager, your wisdom so that we don't have to rely on our own, your help, your encouragement. And God, that through your spirit we can learn more and more about you and learn how to worship you and who you are. I just pray for each of us, Lord, and for us as a church and a family, Lord, that you would continue to draw us to yourself, continue to help us learn how to honor you with our praise and our worship and that, Lord, we would just continue to overcome those obstacles just humble ourselves and to be a a family that worships you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Real Life. If you'd like more information on who we are, what's happening in our church, and how you can get involved, visit us on Facebook and Twitter and visit our website, liferotp.com.